Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Elizabeth Irvin, the Vice President of Marketing for MarketMuse.com. They've recently held a really large virtual event called Content Strategy Collective, and Elizabeth shares the practical aspects of how she put the event together. Thanks for downloading. The Content Strategy Collective was a large virtual event held by MarketMuse.com that involved many speakers and guests and sponsors. There was pre-recorded content and live talks. There was a lot going on. So in this episode, we're joined by Elizabeth Irvin, the Vice President of Marketing for MarketMuse, and she talks about how the event came together, what software they used as well, and she shares some of the pain points and the successes of putting on a virtual event of this size. Now, if you're planning to hold a virtual event in the near future, this episode is a must-listen. You can find MarketMuse at marketmuse.com and make sure you check out their YouTube channel as well for some of the content from the event. There's links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media and subscribe via your podcast app. Uh, check out more podcasts at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Elizabeth was to explain a little bit more about the event. Yeah, absolutely. The Content Strategy Collective Live event um, was, as you'd expect, focused on content strategy, which is really at the heart of what we do. Um, But we really wanted to blend strategic vision with tactical application so that attendees would feel inspired as well as empowered to act immediately. Um, being able to leave the event and put things into practice. It was born as a customer event in that we surveyed our customers to learn what they wanted to hear, in what formats, what they wanted to get from the event, from networking, et cetera, what challenges they're facing. Um, And so we had general sessions that were free and open to anyone, um, as well as workshops that were, were paid, but really took the general sessions and put them into practice using our platform. Um, was, it, was it going to be a real event to start off with and then did it have to move online or was the concept of it virtual from the beginning? It was actually virtual from the beginning. Right. The COVID thing didn't really make any difference to this at all. No, if anything, I was secretly glad that we could <laughs> start it as a virtual event. <laughs> so yeah. that way we had something to prove out and um, convert convert it to a physical event potentially in the future um, or maybe as something more local. Uh, This is a three-day, it was actually a three-day virtual event um, and maybe doing something local and smaller in the future. Um, But yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to make it accessible to as many people as possible, but also really focus on what our customers told us that they, they wanted to learn because imagine that that would then extend to that broader audience as well. Yeah, it's interesting you say accessibility. I think that's one good thing to come out of all these virtual events is that uh, it is accessible. Because not everybody can afford a a hotel in a big city, can they? Mm. They can't afford the flights coming over to to, to the thing. So it opens it up to smaller businesses, freelancers, everybody else. There is a huge amount of accessibility with a virtual event, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a huge benefit. So arranging a virtual event on paper... 
It kind of seems fairly straightforward because you don't have to worry about flowers and food and all that sort of thing, do you, really? Um, you don't have to worry about telling people where the toilets are and all this sort of stuff and hoping they don't run out of coffee. Um, it seems kind of straightforward in a way, but what surprised you about the amount of work that was needed in, in, in putting this event on? Yeah, the, the biggest thing that surprised me was actually the technology piece. Right. There were more options than I thought there were um, and more expensive than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, we, we had originally picked one that was new and, and growing, um, but in setting it up and, and digging deeper and like putting, putting things in place, there were a couple of deal breakers that forced us to move to a different option within a couple of days of announcing <laughs> announcing the event and launching the site. Um, and so that was actually a miss on my part was I had requirements and features that I was looking for, but having not done this size of a virtual event before, there were some things that I just didn't know and didn't anticipate. Um, and the biggest thing for us in that regard was being able to discount tickets. So that's a great way to bring people yeah. in and have your speakers promote it and partners um, with a discounted um, amount. And I wasn't able to do that with that initial platform. So that was, that was the big deal breaker for us. Um, and so that was a, that was a big piece that surprised me. I think of, on the positive, it was actually, I've, I've been involved with events for almost my entire career. Mm. And there's, there is a level of, of stress that goes into any yeah. event in terms of uh, people showing up and things that could go wrong. There was one event I was a part of that. There was a fire alarm that went off in the venue and we had to evacuate the building in the middle of a, of a TED Talk-like event that was very focused on a rigid agenda. Um, and the nice thing about the virtual event is it was, it was actually quite, the ease of flow was, was really smooth. We had a mix of recorded sessions and live workshops. Um, it was busy and we were live tweeting and there was a lot to do, but it was also calm. Yeah. So that was, that was unexpected as well. Yeah, because I suppose in a real event, if you see the event organizer running around chasing after everything, then you know something's going wrong, don't you, really? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is more than just a giant Zoom call, isn't it? It's a lot more than mm -hmm. that, right? Absolutely. We, we actually spent a while putting together the curriculum. Um, and even, I had mentioned it was three days, but even that didn't feel long enough for everything that we wanted to cover. Um, and we ended up having, after we launched it, we ended up having speakers request to, to join. And we, I was trying to fit as many people in as we could. But yeah. um, so that was a great um, unexpected moment as well. Um, but the curriculum is really, really important for any event is really understanding what, what to get across and um, what's important to the audience and what's going to draw, draw the people that, that you want and the speakers that will help provide that material. Um, so it was really building that out and also what's going to keep their attention throughout the, throughout those days. Um, it's different sitting in a room than it is at your, at your laptop. Yeah. when you can be distracted by things. Yeah. Um, so building that took 
took time and, and a lot of thought and care. Um, what was it like working with the speakers as well? Because if, I, I get the impression that if you've got many people, you've got many different microphones, many different laptops and <laughs> iPads and all sorts of different environments. You've got people with kids, people probably living next door to a railway station. I don't know. Um, how, how did you manage the technology aspect with all the different speakers? There were actually a lot of speakers who speak regularly. Sure. Um, and it it was something that I talked with everybody ahead of time in terms of their, their comfort level. Not not everybody was a regular speaker. We had several first-time speakers as well, which was actually really great, too, um, because sometimes if you see the, the same speakers at every event, it's hard to see what, yeah. what new thing you'll get from them just a couple months later. Um, but we, we talked about readiness in terms of the mics and um, lighting and and such, um, but didn't didn't ask them to to have any major investments into that. Um, especially, I think because um, because so much has gone virtual, there's a certain level that I feel like the expectation level dropped yeah. a little bit. Not for, not from a negative perspective, but from a positive of like we're all people. Yeah, I I think you're right. Yeah, I think we we don't mind if the kids come running in through the door anymore, whereas we'd have been a little (laughs) bit embarrassed about that before. But now it doesn't really matter, does it? For sure. It's really the value that you're that you're getting from them and and what you're learning from them. And I think I think, you know, I I mentioned consider your background and what what people will see into your life, because you're often looking into someone's home. So, yes, yeah. so just be cognizant of what you're displaying. But I, you know, we didn't have any strict um, rules for um, from that aspect. Yeah. Um, what sort of process did you put in place when you were booking the speakers and arranging all of that? Because with the amount of speakers you had, I can imagine it would it could quite easily end up as a bit of a nightmare. It was a lot to manage. Um, yeah. I because we had because we had built out the curriculum, um, we ended up not doing a call for speakers because we we approached those that whose backgrounds that we knew and had heard before, maybe were friendly with, and invited people to speak. And it was actually a really wonderful way to meet new new folks that we had kind of looked for. Um, and we've, we've made some great relationships as a result of that that are already um, continuing on following the event. Um, and I think in in the future, we would probably do a blend of that where we, we do a call for speakers as well as looking for specific people that have a strong message for something that we're trying to get across. Um, and we started pretty early um, booking booking speakers out, and this also included customer speakers. So we we invited a lot of our customers to to speak, and even when we were surveying our customers early on for the topics, we included a a, a call there. If if you're interested in speaking and sharing your experiences with Market Muse, then please let us know, and we can um, we can talk with you about opportunities there. Um, and that's where we got a couple of really great um, speakers and first-time speakers, which which was really exciting for them. Um, and so it was really managing um, managing 
their time, giving them enough time to prepare, giving them enough materials, um, understanding mm. understanding the audience and um, timelines, and just really communicating. So I had a lot of I had a lot of threads happening <laughs> leading up to the event, but they're all they were all just so wonderful and really open to um, to supporting the event and. Um, and helping out. So yeah, that's really good. It's nice to know really that you, you you were kind of telling the the speakers who the audience was at the beginning, so they know who they're talking to, which is really helpful. Absolutely, it's really important so that the message the message lands and feels customized for them, and not yeah. not sort of general. Yeah. Did you use any sort of automation systems in contacting them? I mean, were you sending out like automated emails saying, "Don't forget, two days to go. Don't forget." <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I I was I was managing all the speakers myself, um, and what I would do is draft draft one up, and then kind of customize it for each of them because hmm. there were differences here and there. Um, some were doing a session and a workshop, some were just doing a workshop. There were different needs for each of those. Um, some some needed more time for recording so it's i kind of had a massive checklist for myself yeah. for where all the material was for each and who i needed to follow up with so i there's probably an automation tool that i could use or other folks can use um to help manage that especially when you have something like 100 speakers um yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no it was all it was all pretty manual okay um now, real events have swag bags, don't they? We, we, everybody loves a good swag bag. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got like fifty years' supply of USB sticks, and the amount of notepads I have, I get my yearly supply of notepads from different mm-hmm. expos and talks. Um, did you think about putting together some sort of a swag swag bag for a virtual event? We did. We we provided a virtual swag bag for everyone, Ooh. and this was, yeah, it was a blend of educational content like guides and webinars and blog posts that were tied to the theme and um, books that the speakers may have written or consultations, um, partly from speakers or partners or sponsors. So it was a whole mix of stuff that was meant to be really an added value to the attendees. Um, So it wasn't necessarily physical swag, but more more learning and um, discounts that they may not have normally um, received. It was also a way to get more visibility to um, the partners and speakers and sponsors that had participated in the event. But we did also do a physical swag bag for teams that signed up. We had a special team pass. Right. Um, and so that included some shipping of a tote bag and some notebooks and um, other other goodies. So we did a little bit of both. I, I like the idea of that because that seems to be more valuable than a cheap T-shirt, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think anything that helps really extend that the the value around the knowledge and and the discounts and consultations that were included in there all had something to do with the, the theme. Um, and so our partners were um, writing networks and um, software that helped with conversion on your site. Or um, So everything kind of had to do with 
with content in some way. Um, so it really extended the the value of the event and um, hopefully everybody got something out of it. Yeah, because I think a lot of swag bag stuff, when you do go around physical events, it, it is rubbish really, isn't it? And it doesn't really add that much value. I know that's a horrible thing to say, isn't it? But I mean, no. I mean, I mean I've mean, i got 20 T-shirts in my cupboard that like I go mm-hmm. out running in and things like that. And sure, it's the brand floating around, but I mean, it's not really that useful to me. Whereas a book written about, with knowledge in it, written by one of your speakers, that's mm-hmm. that's far more valuable than a T-shirt, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the one of the other physical giveaways that we did was for one of our speakers. We purchased about a hundred of the books and shipped right. them out to to folks. Um, and he it was a new book that he was launching, so it was a benefit for him um, as well as extra, an extra goodie for some of our attendees. Um, so let's move on to software. What software did you mm-hmm. end up using then? Sure, we we ended up with Hopin. Right. Um, which has been around for a little while, and yeah. hearing a lot about that, yeah. yeah. You know, it. We were able, that, that was the one that we turned to and really set it up and turned it around in a, in a couple of days, literally. Yeah. Um, and the feedback that we got from attendees and speakers was that it was just so easy to figure out where you needed to go. Yeah, it, it wasn't overly complicated and and didn't have an element of making you like sort of forcing you into a virtual environment. Um, It was pretty straightforward in terms of here's where you go for the sessions, here are the workshops, here's networking, um, and then the booths. It was really um, kind of seamless. And so that was was, um, great feedback. And I I would use them again, for sure. Um, They auto-recorded everything. The data was... um, the data was great, though limited, depending on what package you go with for sure. them, which is typical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think one gotcha that I had with them that we didn't realize until the event was happening was because a lot of our sessions were back-to-back um, with breaks in between, but um, you had the attendees had to press play for anything that was recorded. Right. Um, and so if they didn't start it at the top of the hour Uh, um, or the bottom of the hour, then they may have gotten cut off when we swapped it for the next one. So that was a bit of a gotcha. But we had intended on putting everything on YouTube following the event anyway. So we just we did that a bit faster and and got it out kind of overnight for them so that um, the next morning they would have the recordings and could um, they could finish the session or watch something that they they may have missed but was top of mind. Is it is it like one of these fake hall type bits of software, or, or is it just pretty much conferencing software? You know the sort of, the, the sort they're trying to do. Do you remember Second Life? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Second Life mm-hmm. is still going. Mm-hmm. Remember years and years ago? Oh gosh, that's a long time ago. Um, and and you were like in this virtual world, and you had a little avatar which you had to walk down a corridor and into a. And I've seen some conferences type software, some virtual event software like that. What was it? Is is it hoping like that or not? No, it's not. Um, you Good. you do have a profile and a, like a business card, so you can yeah. swap information with people. Um, but no, it's it's it, there's when you go into the sessions or the stage they called it. Um, it's main the screen is mainly the video, and then you have chat functionality on the side, so people can chat throughout. 
and it was quite nice actually because we could invite our speakers who had recorded ahead of time um, to come and answer questions from folks because I think that happened in every session there were there were questions for the speakers um, and if they were able to go they were they could answer live which was um, which was really valuable but other people could kind of extend on what was being talked about um, and continue conversation there so that was that was really fun to see. Yeah, I remember using one a couple of years ago, a bit of software, where you had to walk your little avatar into a hall and then sit them down in a chair before you could start watching anything. And it's like, this is just pointless. It really it's a lot is. of work. It is a <laughs> lot of work, isn't it? Yeah. Um, did you run any tests um, before before the live event? We, we did internally. Um, mm. So we had everybody internally on the team. We kind of set up a, a fake event um and tested out what the video was like and it was so it was so similar to to zoom and um google meets and software that people are pretty much using every day now um so because we saw that i i just prepped all the speakers kind of one-on-one for what to expect but also gave them um some of the help docs in case in case something happens so if this happens here's some instructions. Uh, luckily, we didn't have any problems like that. But because the software was so simple, um, we it was it was pretty easy to to make everyone feel comfortable going in. Um, you've already answered the next question. Did you record the event? Uh, and then, <laughs> um, it, how how are you planning on, or how have you planned on, how have you used that that video content uh, within your entire kind of marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of our sessions were recorded ahead of time and some of them were live. Uh, we had a couple of kind of fireside chats that we did live and then all the workshops were live. Um, and that was something that Hopin just did automatically. Even those that were previously recorded, they they recorded those all as well. Sure. And they've all been added to YouTube and we sent the recordings out to folks. But we're we're already creating clips out of them for for social especially those of our customers to try to to try to get some of what they're sharing and some of the successes that they've had out there as well as some technical trainings for knowledge base and more visual how-tos so we're definitely using the the recordings in in a few ways but we're also doing write-ups uh, for some of the some of the sessions and then spotlights on the speakers as well um, so we we expect to be able to extend the the life of that content beyond the event and and almost not strictly tied to the event too which which was part of the intent going in we wanted to make sure that it wasn't kind of a moment in time yeah I think that's really important is it because you can kind of create some of these events and then afterwards you can think to yourself oh it'd be a great idea oh but we didn't record it like that we didn't run it like that so it's a good idea to go in right at the beginning thinking to yourself well I want to repurpose this uh, after the mm-hmm. fact I think isn't it mm-hmm. absolutely so so what are you planning in the future are you planning to do more virtual events some in real life events or a little mixture of both do you think they'll both play out are, are folks in the states getting used to going back to events nowadays yeah they are there's there's um i think uh hesitation isn't the right word but just safety going yeah. into them more more so than before which 
which is kind of a given. Um, but most people I talk to are so anxious to go back to events and just talk with people, yeah. just interact. And um, there's there's a lot of value in, in meeting in person, but there's so much that you can do virtually too. Um, there are still a few folks that I work with that I haven't met in person and we're able to accomplish so much together. So I think we, we, we actually do webinars every other week. Um, they're more like fireside chats and we get a lot of value out of those. I think that we'll, we'll probably do this event is really meant to be an annual event. Uh, but we might do some smaller, like half day, uh, with a specific focus kind of virtual event with external speakers and maybe do those somewhat frequently, although we haven't, we haven't put anything in the books yet. Um, but we have we have a small hub in Boston, Massachusetts, and we may do some local events there. We've we've done happy hours in the past, and uh, mm. just trying to get people together and uh, more of a more of a casual environment. Yeah. Um, but you can really build great relationships that way. I, I think you get in in real life events, you 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 kind of get that little bit of a buzz, don't you? And that little bit of it gives you more energy, doesn't it? When you're around lots mm -hmm. of people who are who are talking about the same topic as as you, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, Elizabeth, I could talk for ages on this, to be honest with you, because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm talking to a lot of people who are who are kind of planning. Uh, to do probably do more events because of the pandemic, mm. because they've they've had their in their real life stuff, but they've also had a taster of doing proper virtual events, and they liked it. Uh, is yeah. that does that kind of sit where you are? Yeah, absolutely. We we really enjoyed it. Um, we were able to work with with people we probably wouldn't have been able to, or and have attendees uh, join the event who may not have been able to had it been in person. Um, so I think there's, I think there's definitely more on the horizon for us there. I think one, one thing that the industry needs to kind of figure out a little bit, including ourselves, was the sponsor aspect. That's, right. that's really the hardest part of the event is making sure that, um, there's value in the sponsors because it's. Usually with in-person events, you you kind of force the flow yeah. um, to go through the exhibit hall. And um, even if you're not looking for something, sometimes you come across a booth and you, you determine that you do have a need and just have great conversations for future initiatives. Um, but with virtual events, it's, it's easier to kind of just focus on the sessions. Um, and so we we're probably going to think more about that um in the future we for some of the events that we've sponsored we really enjoyed when they had a webinar for the sponsors ahead of time yeah um because it added another lead element so i think that's something that we would probably do in the future we just hadn't hadn't factored that in um and we, this also wasn't a an event where where we were relying heavily on sponsorship. So um, we had great sponsors and they were so supportive and and hopefully got a lot of value out of out of it. 
It is difficult, isn't it, when you think about it? Because I hadn't thought of that aspect until you just mentioned it. And when you walk through a, mm-hmm. a hall, you've got the banners and you've got the booklets and the leaflets and the stuff that's shoved in your swag bag and all this stuff, which is all sponsor material. Um, and mm-hmm. then on a virtual event, you can't go throw in pop-up boxes at everybody every five minutes, can you? For sure. And I think I think it's really content focused yeah um one of our sponsors was part of one of our workshops and um another sponsor received the the list of attendees so they both had value in in really specific ways for example and i think i think that's something that hasn't quite been universally figured out um but i do think there's tremendous value in sponsoring events but organizers just have to think think through that model and figure out how to get the attendees and sponsors to connect um, meaningfully and yeah. and ensure that they provide value to the sponsors that they keep coming back. Because I've heard from other marketers that they're they're not sponsoring any events anymore. They don't they they just don't see it. Um, sure. And it's yeah. And I I totally understand it. But at the same time. I, I believe I believe that there's something there. Just needs a little bit more more time, I guess. Elizabeth, thanks ever so much for your time. Is there anywhere we can go and see any of this wonderful event of yours? Uh, can we can we nip onto YouTube and have a look? Yeah, absolutely. Market Muse has um, has a channel there and playlists for the um, for all the sessions. So that's that's all available. Um, and market marketmuse.com. You can get to our blog where a lot of the educational materials as well with our webinars and such so definitely check it out fantastic what i'll do is i'll put some links in the show notes to get get to those quickly um elizabeth thanks ever so much for your time i really appreciate it yes thank you thank you very much thanks for having me Thanks again to Elizabeth for her time. Uh, don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. You can watch some of the content from the event uh, on the YouTube channel. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.